Thanks for listening to this message from The Block KC. The Block KC exists to help young adults build their lives on what counts. We believe that is Jesus and what God has revealed in His Word. We'd love to see you next Thursday, 7 p.m. at Lenexa Baptist Church. Now, let's listen to this week's message. Block Kansas City, how are we living tonight? Good to see you guys. Man, I love summertime. Isn't it nice that the sun comes up before 6 o'clock and it doesn't set till like after 9 o'clock? It's pretty phenomenal. We get some, some good sunshine. Uh, I think sometimes that I'm solar powered. I think everyone is solar powered. You need your vitamin D. That's an important thing. Uh, welcome to the Block KC. Um, that's what we're talking about tonight, vitamin D. Uh, Tonight we're continuing on in our real life series where we've been talking about what does it mean to be an adult. Uh, we, the first week, Luke took a look at what does real community look like and we looked at what does it mean to be committed to a community and committed to a local church. And that involves a lot of uh, restoration, hard conversations, and mutual love uh, for one another. Then last week we talked about work. And we talked about the fact that work is hard, and a lot of times we're either prone to make it an idol or to live in idleness. And we talked about the answer is neither of those, but it's actually that we need to work hard. And so tonight, if you can imagine that work is one side of a coin, we're going to be looking at the other side of the coin, and we're going to be talking about rest. We're going to be talking about what is real rest to look like tonight. But before uh, we do, though, I want to tell you guys a story. So... Fun fact about me, if you have not heard me say this before, I lived for five years in South Asia. Uh, a lot of things there were wildly different. There was different food. There was different traffic. The language was different. The culture was different. And the grocery stores were different. And the grocery store being different is very important because another fun fact about me, I really love breakfast food. Breakfast food is, in my mind, the superior food to all other foods. Uh, and... Being 22, when I moved overseas, I didn't really, I was not culinarily inclined, so I didn't know how to make food. Um, but I knew how to make eggs. So if you're going to make eggs for dinner, you need something else for breakfast. Easy answer, milk and cereal, right? That's the easy thing to do. And so I go to the grocery store shortly into my time living overseas to go find milk and cereal. I'm thinking this should be very easy. Not that easy. Uh, I... Walk in, cereal, easy to find. It looks exactly the same. It's in the same section. But then I go to the refrigerated section, and there is no milk. There is absolutely zero milk in the refrigerated section, and I'm stubborn. So I don't ask for help, but I keep looking. And I keep trying to find this milk. Uh, I do a once-over around the store. Maybe there's a different dairy section. There was not. Um, finally, I'm defeated after about 10 minutes of this. And uh, so I ask one of the workers, and she gives me the look that, you know, your mom gives you when you can't find something that's right in front of you. Um, she leads me over to a shelf in the back corner of the room and hands me a blue box that looks like this. That's milk. It was not refrigerated. It was not in a carton. And I was very confused. Uh, and I'm not here to talk about how we buy, sell, or keep dairy tonight. That's not what we're going to be talking about. Uh, but what I can tell you all is that I was looking for the right thing, but in the wrong place and in the wrong form. I was looking for a plastic carton of milk in the refrigerated section, and instead what I was supposed to be looking for was a little blue box that was not refrigerated. Again, I have no clue how you don't refrigerate milk. I, I, I do not know. If someone can come explain that to me afterwards, that would be great. Maybe someone who went to K-State. I think that you have a good shot of knowing. <laughs> Call Hall ice cream is phenomenal. But what I desired was good, but I just wasn't looking for it in the right place, right? I was looking for it somewhere else than where I needed to. And I start with that because, like it or not, this is a lot of our attitudes about rest. A lot of us want rest, but we go to the wrong place and we look in the wrong forms. Take this for example, maybe you've been there, you're feeling drained after the work day. So what do you do? You go home and you open up your phone and you pull up YouTube and you watch YouTube videos for about two hours. Or you want rest and you're feeling drained after a season of work and so you try to fill up your weekends with fun activities or you plan a really fun vacation thinking, man, this is going to be the thing that's going to bring me all the rest that I need. Maybe you try to have activities with friends 
But really what a lot of these things can turn into is just distractions and diversions from the weekly work grind. Here's the deal. Do not miss this. The rest we need is not diversion or distraction, but the rest we need is restoration. We need rest to restore us. It's right there in the word. Restore, rest. I'm not an English major, but I think it makes sense. Because uh, let's be honest, y'all. We talked about this last week. Work is hard. It really is. The Bible talks about work as being a hard labor or toil, and it's painful. And beyond that, real life is just challenging. We're going through our real life series, talking about what does it mean to be an adult and live in the real world, and it's tough. There are things that you did not anticipate that are now coming across your calendar, that are coming across your inbox, that are coming across your life, that you're like, I didn't know that this was going to happen, and this is stressful. I didn't know that this was going to be one of my concerns, and I'm not sure how to deal with this. And it leads us to need restoration. Family emergencies and physical ailments happen. Sad things happen in life. Work is just a grind. And we get worn down physically, and we also get worn down and tired in our souls. But instead of seeking restoration, so often what I see uh, young adults doing, and this includes myself at times, so I don't feel like I'm uh, trying to point the finger at anyone. A lot of times what I see us doing is seeking distraction or diversion instead of true restoration. Scrolling on my phone so I can take my mind off my problems. Watching or re-watching a series for the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh time. Because I think, man, that's what I need to take my mind off my problems. A night out in power and light or a concert or a vacation. These things can be good things. But they end up oftentimes not giving us the energy or the restoration that we actually seek. And a lot of times we can walk away from those times feeling more drained, more tired, and more run down than we did when we started. And the reason is, is because these are not the fuel that our, our soul was meant to run on. We need true rest. We need restoration of our souls. And we need someone to fill us up when we're running on empty. So tonight we're going to be looking at real life rest. That's the topic for tonight. And I am not going to convince you guys that you need to rest I think every single person in this room knows in some capacity I need to take a break at times. Uh, but I'd rather try to show us that we find restoration in God. Tonight we'll be looking at a very famous passage of scripture. It's Psalm 23. It's very widely known amongst those who grew up around the Bible, around church. If that's not you, uh, no worries. You do not have to know anything about Psalm 23 to be here. Um, but if you are new to the Bible, uh, the Psalms were written as a sort of worship, song, or worship book to God. And they were prayers, songs, uh, basically these truths that the people of Israel would sing to praise and remind themselves about what's true about God as they were navigating their day-to-day -day life. It's one of the biggest books of the Bible. Uh, it's right there in about the middle. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, stop by the Connect Center that Carrington mentioned. We'd love to get you one. And it was written by a lot of them, King David. And King David wrote Psalm 23. And if you guys want to know something about King David, King David had a very difficult time as king. His own son tried to rebel, overthrow his government, and kill David. He spent the first seven years of his life not actually getting to rule in the place that he wanted to. He was continually sought after to be killed. There were continual wars, continual uh, invasions of other countries that came against him. There was political strife that happened. There was judicial rulings that he had to oversee. And on top of all that, he's trying to manage a country. So I don't, man, if that's not a hard job, I don't know what is. Uh, I do not think any of us are kings in this room. If you are a king, please come tell me because it, it's great to have you here, your highness. Um, but you can imagine, King David got worn down by this, right? He got very worn down by being a king. But when David was young, he was a shepherd. And so in Psalm 23, he's going to talk about how God is our shepherd and how God cares for us the same way that a shepherd cares for his sheep. And my hope and prayer is that this time would be encouraging for all of us, that it would be something that would bring refreshment and that you would see that God loves you, God cares for you, and God wants to take care of your needs for rest, restoration, and how you use that time to be restored and refreshed in your soul. Let's pray and let's get started. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, God, knowing that we need you. And God, we know that even today there's a lot of 
just weary people coming from work. God, it's Thursday. The weekend is almost here. God, I'm sure many of us have had long weeks. God, I'm sure many of us have things that are on our minds. God, would this be a time where we can give our distractions to you? God, where we can give the things that stress us out, the things that are burdening us down. God, the things that we need rest from. God, would this be a time where we could find true rest from you and your word and your truth to us? God, I pray that everything that's said, God, would be from your word and not from my own thoughts or my own mind. And that each and every single one of us would learn more about what it means to rest. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So Psalm 23 is very short. It's just six verses. And so we're going to read the whole passage to start. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness And mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Truth number one, starting right off, the Lord is a trustworthy shepherd. The Lord is a trustworthy shepherd. Verse one says this so beautifully. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What David is saying here is that God is responsible for me and takes care of all of my needs. Some translations say, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And I'll tell you guys the truth. I grew up here in the Blue Valley School District, so I don't know much about sheep, okay? I am not a shepherd. I have seen a sheep in real life only in petting zoos. I have not cared for any sheep. Uh, And last year at the block, I was actually talking about a passage where God is described as the good shepherd. And so I knew I needed a shepherd's insight. Some of you guys who, like Harrington said, have been here. You guys will remember this person. Uh, So again, I reached out to my friend Deborah. Pictures of Deborah. Deborah is a 70-year-old shepherdess who lives in Glencoe, Minnesota. And we got connected through the internet last year. Uh, Last year, she's taught me a lot about sheep. So again, I was going to talk about sheep, and I realized man, I need to reach out to Deborah. I need to see, first of all, how she's doing, if the, the sheep are doing well, uh, how Minnesota is. Um, I can say that they're all good. Uh, really just wanted to connect with an old friend, uh, tell her about some exciting life updates, all that. Uh, and I got some more sheep insight from Deborah to share with you all. So Deborah taught me some more about sheep. Here's what you guys need to know about sheep from Deborah. They don't do much. They do not do very much at all. They have a hard time finding their own food. They don't know where it's safe to lie down. They're not good at finding water. They don't shear themselves. They get lost easily, and if they fall over, they die. Not really, but if they fall over, they have a hard time getting up, and sometimes they die. And I was like, Deborah, wow, you got a tough life. Uh, she's got guard llamas that help. Um, yeah, guard llamas. That's great. Uh, but needless to say, sheep need a lot. That's a long list of needs. And if that isn't a great example of us here tonight, I don't really know what will make me happy some days. I don't always know where to find life. I don't do the best job of feeding my soul. Sometimes I rest in ways that are not beneficial. Sometimes I rest in ways that are even harmful to myself. I get lost easily. And if I get down, I really need help having someone lift me back up. The truth is, y'all, I need a shepherd. And we all, every single person in this room tonight, we need a shepherd to meet our needs. So listen to what David says again when he says this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's amazing because you need to know this. First and foremost, God meets all of your needs. But every single person's need in this room, your biggest need is a relationship with God. We need restoration in our lives. We need rest. But we need restoration spiritually first and foremost. God's word says that all of us, we all like sheep have gone astray. Everyone has turned to his own way. What that means is all of us have chosen to live in rebellion to God and his word. That makes us sinners. That makes us sinful And we've decided, man, God, I don't want you. I'm going to go figure out life on my own. 
even though I don't understand the eternal spiritual significance of that decision. But Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be restored to a relationship with God. And so if you're in the room tonight and you don't have a relationship with God, you need to know this. No amount of wisdom from God's word will help you without that. Community, work, rest, anything that we talk about, if you don't first take care of your need to have a relationship with God, everything else in the long run will be meaningless. That is every single one of us, our biggest need in the room. And I can tell you guys, if you need restoration with Jesus, if you've never made the decision to follow him, all you have to do is just admit that you are a sinner, that you're a sheep, and ask the good shepherd to come and rescue you. That's all it takes. It's easy. It's an open invitation. Jesus gives it to all people. He just says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. We can all have that eternally and spiritually. Do not miss that tonight. That's the biggest thing I hope we always walk away with from our times at the block. But in light of that, if we have our biggest need met, then what does it mean for God to be our shepherd and to not live in want? Because a lot of times we can look at these passages and think, okay, uh, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I will not be in need. And we begin to think, okay, maybe God is just talking about my eternal need. Maybe God only takes care of the stuff up there, and he doesn't really care about what happens in my day-to-day world. He doesn't really care about what happens on earth. That is not the case. God knows that we have a variety of needs, and one of them is to rest. God actually created us to not work nonstop. God made us to sleep. God made us to need to take breaks and slow down at times and to stop working. And so if God is our shepherd and God is our creator and he knows all these things, then he is going to meet our needs for rest. God is going to take care of us if we allow him to be our trustworthy shepherd. And it's so important that we understand this because if we don't believe that God designed us for rest, if we don't believe that God wants to give us rest or cares about us or will meet this need, we will end up looking for rest in every single other place besides the good shepherd. We will end up going to anything else. And in fact, this is a reason why a lot of us here in the room tonight feel torn up inside. A lot of times we value God, but if you don't seek him to meet this need in your life, you're not living out of your values. And if you're looking at what everyone else does in the world around you and you're trusting them to be your shepherd, if you're trusting what society says is fun and will give you the restoration that you need, your values and your actions will be incongruent with each other. And you'll find yourself even more stressed than you were when you started. You'll find yourself not living the life that you want to, but living the life that you think you should. And it'll lead to confusion, and it'll lead to more stress, it'll lead to more weariness. And so we have to know that God is a trustworthy shepherd. Before we start anything else, we have to believe, man, God is a trustworthy shepherd. He will take care of my needs. Because then we live out of that faith, and we live out of that trust in God. And the value that we have for God in our hearts, if you are a follower of Jesus, will continue to guide you. And this is what we're going to talk about more specifically as we continue in Psalm 23. David continues in Psalm 23, he says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. So if God is my shepherd and I am his sheep, then God is going to lead me because he's the shepherd. And I don't lead myself, but God leads me. And David illustrates this. He's saying God causes us to lie down. God causes us to rest. He causes us to take times and places in our life where we can sit and be refreshed and restores our souls. And this word restore, it's used in a lot of different ways in God's word. Most importantly, it's used to talk about someone who's either being restored eternally to God, like we talked about earlier. Uh, There's also the idea uh, that we can be restored relationally. The Bible teaches that you cannot lose your salvation, but we can neglect or disregard our fellowship with God. We can neglect our relationship with God, and that's called not walking in fellowship or connection or abiding with God. We can do that with people as well. And so to restore in that case is to bring back to fellowship or bring back to intimacy with God or other fellow uh, people here on this earth. Uh, But in this context, restore, it literally just means to refresh. It just means to refresh. 
It's the idea of being tired and being taken to a quiet and calm place for some rest and relaxation. Does everyone here have like a favorite place that when you think of, you're like, man, I just feel like I need to get away. Who here in the room tonight, you've got something in mind? Wow, we need some places for rest then. Or we need some stronger arms that can lift their arms up. That's not a call out that everyone needs to go to the gym. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, One of my favorite places for rest uh, in the world, the entire world, up in the mountains of Colorado. I've got a picture up there. Uh, Every summer, my family would drive up into the mountains, and we'd go tent camping. And we had a campsite that was, it's actually this picture right here. This is from my mom's Instagram. And uh, I don't know why that was funny. Uh, But we'd throw up a tent, and we'd get set up. And we would do some pretty cool activities while while we were out there. Uh, we would go horseback riding, or we would ride ATVs, or we'd go whitewater rafting, or we'd go fishing, we'd go hiking. We did a lot of really fun things. But can I tell you guys that as fun as those activities were, my favorite thing was getting to sit next to that stream in a folding chair and just rest. I got to listen to the, the quiet uh, bubbling of the stream as it rolled by. I got to listen to the sounds of nature. There's no service there, so I didn't have my phone just the cool mountain air, just the sound of nature, just the sense that I don't have to be at work, I don't have to be at school. And in fact, the last thing I, the last time I went up there in 2020, my favorite activity was just sitting there and spending time with God every single morning. And in the exact same way, God wants to bring us to quiet places and times in our lives so that he restores our soul. And it's less about finding a physical location and more about finding a location in our hearts that we go to. Truth number two, the Lord leads us to rest in him and then in his gifts. So God is going to lead us to find these places and these times in two primary methods. First, it's to rest in him or in our relationship with him. And then it's to rest through the good gifts that God gives us. And we're going to unpack both of those things. Uh, Before we do, though, it's very important that we see these things in this order that God first and then everything else around us. And we're going to talk about that. But let's look first at uh, why God first. What does this mean? If David says, right, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. How does that translate day to day? It's like that sounds great in a Bible verse. That sounds great on my grandma's crocheted wall hanger. But like I need to know what does that actually mean for me today? This is a foundational truth, y'all. And the sooner that you get this, the better your life will be. It will not solve all the hard parts of life, but it will lead to a deeper understanding of peace and intimacy with the Lord. Our souls were made to thrive off of a relationship with the one true God. Our souls were made for this. In Genesis, in the creation story, God breathes his breath into Adam's lungs. The thing that gave Adam life was God himself. The Bible says that in God we live and breathe and have our being. And in Psalm 42, the author of that psalm is expressing that they feel down and drained and they're weary. And listen to how they start off this psalm. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul thirsts for the living God, my God. When can I go and meet with God? Guys, God is highlighting a truth here. In the same way that living creatures need water, we need God. Think of the last time that you were extremely thirsty. Just think, think of that time. You probably didn't want Dr. Pepper. You probably didn't want Mountain Dew. You probably didn't want milk. You probably didn't want juice. What you need is just some good, fresh, old-fashioned water. Speaking of, it's good stuff. In the same way, after a long week of work, At the beginning or end of a day, when you are feeling drained, what your soul is designed to run on is God. We are designed to be refreshed by time with our loving creator. And if you're asking, Nick, what does that look like? What does that mean? Uh, It looks like a lot of different things, but the best way to meet with God is through his word. That's how he's revealed himself to us. And so if we want to get to know God, spend time with God, it's through God's word and prayer. It's sitting down in a quiet and restful place, seeking solitude 
and praying and asking God, God, I am going to come to this book right here and I need you to refresh me. I need you to restore me today. And to be honest with you all, I really struggled to write this section of the talk. This was very hard for me to write because God's word is constantly described in, in, the, in the Bible as our food and our drink. And so when Psalm 23, when David is saying uh, calm pasture or calm waters and quiet pastures, he's saying the sheep need grass and they need water. He's talking about food and drink. But I really don't want us to just sit here and think, yeah, Nick, that's for you. Yeah, of course the pastor guy or the paid Christian is going to say that what's restful is spending time in the Bible. Like, of course that's what you'd say. Ooh. But guys, this is just as true for me, any pastor, any person working in ministry, as it is for every single person in the planet. Because oftentimes the question lingers in my mind, what if I don't want to spend time in God's word? What if I have been doing that and it's not restful? And even as a pastor, I feel this. There's been times in my life where I have felt this. In my seven years of ministry, I have gone to God's word and not walked away with the rest that God talks about. And I'm like, why is that? And so to say, man, we need time in God's word, I know that some of us are going to think, yeah, I've tried that. It doesn't always work. And I wanted to give a couple of reasons. I feel compelled to share with you guys some several possibilities of why this might happen. The first possibility is that you might not be a follower of Jesus. And it's a hard possibility to share with you all. But the reality is if God has not given you a new heart and you do not value God. Because like the Bible said, we've gone astray. We all like sheep stray away from God. And so if you're here and you never really find time of connection with God exciting or you don't want to go meet with God, I would very, very seriously encourage you to examine, are you a follower of Jesus? Have you trusted in him for your eternal salvation? Do you have a relationship with him? And it's not the only reason, so I'm not saying that that's for everyone in this room, because another reason might be is that you're living in unconfessed sin before God. The Bible talks about, like we mentioned, we can break fellowship with God. And it doesn't mean he doesn't love us. It doesn't mean that we don't have a relationship with him, but it just means that relationship is separated. And so what we need to do is if that's you, you just repent. You go to God and you say, God, I've been living this way. I don't want to live this way any longer. Another possibility might be that you're seeking God's word for something other than God himself. You're going to God's word because you want to gain knowledge so that you can know more. You want to find some self-help tips. You just want to prove that you're a good person. You just want to check something off your list because you like the discipline. And the reality is that so often, if that's our heart, instead of asking God to come and teach us, we are trying to teach ourselves. And we are trying to feed ourselves rather than trust our shepherd. And the final possibility that I want to share right now is this one is probably the most prevalent for me. When I look back at the times in my life where I haven't craved God's word, it's that I've trained myself to be hungry for something else. I have trained myself to look at a good thing in life, like relationships or friendships or sports or food or sleep or anything. And I've trained myself to believe that while the Bible says I need God's word, I say I need football to be rested. I say, man, what I need is just a vacation. What I need is more time on YouTube. What I need is to watch The Office again. What I need is more music. What I need is more food. We take good things so often and we make them little gods in our life. And we look at them and we think, that's what's going to restore me. This thing is what's going to make me happy. But we need God himself, not just God's stuff. We need God himself. It's the difference between going to a friend's house when you're little because you want to hang out with that friend and going to a friend's house because you want to play on their Xbox. We don't want to use God for his stuff. We want to get to know the God who loves us. And if we're trying to find rest by using God for his stuff, we won't find it because God is not going to bless that because he knows that we need him. He knows that idolatry is dangerous. 
And, and whatever it is, if that's you and you're feeling that, I just want to tell you there's a very easy answer. There's a very easy solution. It's just humbling yourself. You just say, God, I'm a sheep. I just need help. I just need you to come and guide me. I've been trying to seek rest myself. I've been trying to lead myself. I've been trying to find my own green pastures, my own still waters. You are the shepherd. I am the sheep. And then you allow him to lead you. And you spend time in his word. And God guides us into rest. And then and only then do we begin to find rest in the good gifts that God promises. If you need help learning how to read the Bible like Carrington mentioned, stop by the Connect Center. We would love to do that. We've given talks on this before. There are so many ways that you can find how to read God's word. I would highly encourage you to do that if you don't know. Uh, but, but we move from God's word then into resting in the things that God gives us as we are resting in God first. In the book of 1 Timothy, the book, the book of 1 Timothy, the apostle Paul writes, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Man, isn't that a fun verse? God richly provides us with everything to enjoy. It's not saying that you're going to be rich, but it's saying everything in your life, God wants you to find rich enjoyment of it. Do we know this, that if there's something in your life and it's not sinful, it's not a bad thing? So your relationships, your friendships, your house, your job, your stuff, you can enjoy all of these things as a gift from God. These can be ways that we can seek rest. And they're not a replacement for our hope in God, but they're a reminder for our hope in God. Not a replacement, but a reminder. And when we begin to thank God for the things in our lives, we begin to enjoy them more. We begin to find the restoration that God talks about. If you're wondering how to do this practically, what this verse is not saying is just throw a thanks God on the end of any activity. It's not just, man, I'm going to go on this sweet vacation, and at the very end, I'm just going to say, hey, thanks, God. That was good. And move on. And suddenly, it will be, become magically restful, and I will never have any hard times again. That's not what we're talking about. In reality, we, one, have to be walking close to God, because that's the only way we're going to be thankful to him. And two, we need to genuinely have gratitude in our hearts for what we want to enjoy. And this is very difficult to explain, right? It's very difficult to explain the nuance between Man, I want to do something, and I'm grateful to God for that thing. That's a, a really small, it feels kind of like it's mincing words, but there's a huge difference between the two. There's a huge difference between choosing an activity because it stirs my thankfulness to God and choosing an activity because I think it's fun. There's a difference there. And I think this is another reason why a lot of us don't experience rest in the evenings or the weekends. For example, think of an activity in your life that you crave to do, but after you do it, you don't feel refreshed. And in fact, turn and, and share with someone next to you, man, when I do this, I think it's going to be really fun, and a lot of times it just doesn't end up being what I think it is. Take a moment and do that with your neighbors. All right, hey, since there's a, a big difference, or there's a big chance that this is different for all of us, uh, a couple people shout out what that is for you. If you feel comfortable, shout it out. Or shout out your neighbors. Sorry, what was that? Music, Music okay. Binging what? Movies. What? Binging movies, yeah. What, media? Social media, that's another big one. A lot of times I'm like, man, Instagram will make me happy. And then 30 minutes later, Instagram did not make me happy. It's crazy, right? How's that happen? Uh, the one for me, like I mentioned, I have to be very careful with sports. I really do. The NBA Finals were just happening. Uh, a lot of times, if there's a game that I enjoy, I crave getting to sit down and watch that. Even if I don't know a ton about the sport, I will want to sit there and watch the entire thing. But if I'm not careful and I'm not cognizant of my need to be thankful to God for that time watching that sport... I end up putting my hope in that sport for that evening or afternoon. And I end up trusting more in the sport than the God who gave me that sport, than the God who gave me that opportunity. And I end up feeling more apathetic or tired than when I started. And I allow 
this good gift to become something that drains me and distracts me rather than refreshes me because of God. And to tie it back to Psalm 23, it's me trying to lead myself rather than trusting the shepherd to lead me to whatever I need. And I'll I'll be honest with you guys, if I look at an activity and I didn't plan it out beforehand to trust God with it, a lot of times I can't do it. Because in my weakness, I know I'm just going to end up putting my hope in that thing. There's a lot of sense of forethought that comes with being led by God in these areas. And there's an illustration that I have that I want to show you guys this. Uh, Who here has seen the Big Rocks, Pebbles, Sand illustration? Okay, just a couple people. That's good. Or again, we need to go to the gym and get our hand raised. This is going. It's the last time I'm going to make that joke. It's not that funny. Uh, So basically, wow, this is a lot of bags. Um, There's a lot of bags. And here it is. Okay. There we go. So, this is your life. This container is your life. And all of these materials before me represent different parts of our life. The uh, gravel represents just small but maybe significant but maybe not aspects of our lives. The sand is basically time wasted. It's just things that don't really matter. It's small, it's tiny, it's insignificant. These rocks represent bigger things in our life that's important like family, uh, relationships, our jobs, things like of that nature. And this big rock represents God. And this represents our time and our intimacy with God. And so let's say that this jar represents the way that we use our time, specifically our rest time, whether it's on the weekends or or after work. So if you start with the big things, if we're not intentional, if we're not careful, we might get on Instagram, we might scroll for 30 minutes, we might just kind of mindlessly binge, and we begin to fill up our time. And it's fun, right? Like we feel like we're getting filled up. And then we think, okay, maybe I need to do a couple other things. Like maybe I should um, do something that's a little bit more restful. Like maybe I'll, I'll read a book or I'll or do some stuff around the house or text some friends. And then we fill up our time a little bit more. And then we think, okay, well, there's some other things I need to do. I haven't really made time to go to the gym. I haven't really made time to go on a walk. I haven't made time to go see my friends or call my mom or, or my dad or my family. And so we, we put those things in there then. And if we're not intentional, God is left out of the picture. Because I was just haphazardly throwing things into my life. And suddenly I'm trying to force God in to the leftovers. And I don't end up seeking the shepherd of my soul. But if we're planning, then we think, okay, beforehand, before anything else, I'm going to spend time with God. That's the first thing in there. It's going to go in there. Whatever that takes, whatever things need to change in my life, no matter how I need to change that, I'm going to put God first. And then you begin to think, okay, then I'm going to do this stuff like call my mom and go to the gym. Oh, that was loud. And then I'm going to begin to fill up my life that way. And then I'm going to begin to do the smaller things in my life, the things that maybe have a little bit more meaning, but uh, they just they aren't at quite as important. And I can begin to fill that up more. And suddenly you're so full that you don't even really need the insignificant stuff. Because you're full. But you've made time for the most important things. And then if you want to, right, you can, you can pour some of that in there. It's not bad, necessarily. These things aren't sinful. It's just, it's not the majority of what we're trying to fill our time with. And so do you see that there's intentionality with how we need to live? And we have to put the big, most important things in first. I don't know who came up with this illustration, but I think they're really wise. My roommate said that his grandma showed it to him about 15 years ago. So we'll credit Grandma Martins, if anything else. But uh, there's a huge difference between these two pictures. And if we put God first and then we begin to be thankful for the things in our life, we end up 
being so much more filled up. We end up being so much more satisfied in the long run. And that's what Psalm 23 is talking about. That's what 1 Timothy is talking about. We don't put our hope in riches. We don't put our hope in our stuff. We put our hope in God, and we trust him to fill us up. Psalm 23 continues, and it says, He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So we see that God is not just restoring us. He's not giving us rest just so that we can feel good about ourselves. It's not just so that life is good for us. It's so that God would receive the praise. That we would look at God and other people would look at God and say, yeah, because of that man or that woman's life, I know God is a good shepherd. Because of the way that they live and because of the way that they have energy to love and give to other people, I can trust God with that. I can begin to see that God deserves to be praised. He continues on and says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. David is calling to mind, God gives him rest even when he feels like death. David is saying, I feel the shadow of death over me. And still, I'm not afraid. Why? Because God is with me. David, when he feels like he's surrounded by enemies, he says, God is meeting my needs. God is protecting me. God is comforting me. God is refreshing me. He's giving me an overflowing cup. Literally more than I can take in, that's how good God is. And the reason I bring this up is because it leads us to our third and final truth. The Lord leads us to rest during and through difficult situations. And the reason I bring this up, do not miss this. The lie is out there that it's only possible to rest when life feels good and there are no stressors. Culture will try to tell you, flee from responsibility. Flee from the things that give you stress. Flee from these things. But here's the deal. We're adults, right? Life is not going to get less stressful, most likely. Life is not going to become easier than it was when we were 12 years old. And that's a good thing. None of us in here want to be 12. None of us in here want to be kids. We don't want to be babied by our parents. We don't want to be told what to do. It's good to grow up. It's good to have responsibility. But with responsibility comes added pressure and concern in life. And so what David is saying here is what do we do with that stress? What do we do with this difficult situations of life? He's saying when I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, when I feel like I'm surrounded by enemies, when work is tough, when there's family drama, when there's friend drama, when finances are tight, When I don't feel like I have enough time, God is with me. And despite all of these things, God is setting a table before me. And God is saying, don't worry about that. Don't be concerned with those things. Because I'm with my shepherd and he's going to look out for me. He's going to meet my needs. God says, take a seat, eat and be refreshed. I will watch over you says that he anoints our head with oil. That verse says that again, if we can flip that, that back up there. There's a common practice to make someone smell better or nicer. Showers were not really a thing. So it's pleasant to have your hair oiled. It says God fills our cup to overflowing. Do you guys believe this, that when we are in difficult and stressful situations in our life, we can have an overflowing cup? We can say, man, I have more than I need. Not just I'm doing okay. Not just like I'm barely making it like, man, God has been so good to me. And they're like, didn't you just say that your dog ran away and money's tight and your job is uncertain and you're behind on car payments? And you're like, man, I've got more than I need. God gives me more than I need. That's the kind of rest that he's talking about. He says he is going to deal with the stressors. It doesn't mean that we don't work hard. It doesn't mean that we don't go out and take care of these things. But every so often he says, hey, just just sit down. Just rest. Be reminded that I'm good. Be reminded that I'm looking out for you. Because we are going to have more stressors, and this will cause us to do one of two things. Again, put our hope in our stuff or put our hope in God. And if God is our shepherd, here's what we do. We take our burdens to him in prayer. Every day, you say, God, I need you to take care of this. God, I need you to look out for me in this area of my life. It's similar to the idea of leaving your work at your job. 
I'm not going to take it home with me. I'm not going to take the stressors of life into my times of rest. I'm going to say, God, you take care of this. You look out for me. And God is inviting you to that while he protects you and takes care of you. The Lord leads us to rest during difficult situations and also through difficult situations. When uh, David talks about God's rod and his staff, he's referring to two uh, tools of a shepherd. The rod was a large wooden stick that was often used to fight off predators. But the staff was used to catch sheep that were going astray. And it's really interesting because it's a tool that only shepherds use. It doesn't work for horses. It doesn't work for cows. It doesn't work for pigs. Only shepherds carry the shepherd's staff. And a lot of times what would happen is that when animals and predators would come and attack the sheep, the sheep would scatter because they're afraid. Even though the safest place is right next to the shepherd. The safest place is next to the one that can defend them. But the sheep are prone to wander. And so what the staff would do is the shepherd would reach out and take them by the neck and draw them back in. And he would guide them back in. And this is a lot of times done through difficult situations in our lives. It's done through stressful times. Because a lot of times, I don't want to really be grabbed by the neck. Right? Like, especially when I feel predators are coming after me. Like, I don't want something coming here and, like, yanking me back. That's going to cause me to freak out a little bit. But God often brings difficult situations into our lives because he knows that we're prone to scatter. And he's trying to teach us, stay close. Stay with me. And I have a personal experience with this. When I started working in ministry seven years ago, I decided I was going to be a hard worker. I decided I'm going to share the gospel a lot. I'm going to try to bless a lot of people. I'm going to have this amazing network of believers. I'm going to, I'm going to try to love people as hard as I can. And I think genuinely, like, my heart was good in this. I think that was a good hope. But what I didn't do was rest in God. What I didn't do was take time to rest. So I would work 70 or 80 hours a week, repeatedly. I wouldn't take a weekend. I was like, no, 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 no. There's people that need God, and I'm going to go and help them. And I would run at this pace so often that I would crash. And every two or three weeks, I would get so sick, I couldn't get out of bed for two or three days. And I would end up in bed just, you know, binging on YouTube or playing video games or doing whatever because I couldn't go anywhere because I didn't feel good. And this was a cycle that went on for a period of months until finally I was just exhausted. I couldn't do anything because my body was so beat up from an unhealthy rhythm. And some of my coworkers, they came up and they told me, Nick, we don't respect the way you live. They said, we don't think the way you're living honors God. And that hurt. That stung to hear that from people that I love and that I trust. But I realized I had not been trusting God. I had not been living with him as my shepherd. And I felt God's staff around my neck guiding me back. And it was uncomfortable. But God used that difficult situation in my life to guide me back to him. And it's been a, a difficult process. We're all still under work, but God is teaching me more and more every single year. Nick, you need to rest. You need to slow down. You need to come and meet with me every single day. It's humbling, it's convicting, but I fully believe that God uses that. And there's a very strong chance, if you're here in the room tonight and you feel stressed and overwhelmed and you feel like something is in your life, could it be true that God is using the very situation that you're hoping, maybe even praying to escape, God is using that to guide you back to him and remind you to return to the shepherd of your soul because God leads us to rest in and through difficult situations. To close, let's recap our, our three truths and we'll look at three applications really quickly. Truth number one, the Lord is a trustworthy shepherd. Then the Lord leads us to rest in him and in his gifts and the Lord leads us to rest during and through difficult situations. In light of these truths, here's some ways that we can apply this. Number one, rest in God daily through prayer and God's word. Overall, our day needs to be centered on God. Not just in the rest times, but like we talked about last week at work and everything we do. But there should be times of withdrawal every single day where we get alone, we spend time with God's word, and we ask him to refresh us and take care of our concerns. Number two, application, refresh weekly by taking a Sabbath. This is one day a week where you intentionally plan not to work, but to enjoy God and the things that he's given us. 
We put God in first, you structure him in, and then you put everything else around that. It takes planning, it takes intentionality, it takes the courage to say no when your friends invite you to things, but you're like, no, 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 I have that time set aside for intentional rest. But every single week we need a day that we refresh. You put the big rocks in first. And then finally, number three, remember God's goodness constantly. Psalm 23 closes with verse six, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Guys, that is good news. God's goodness is following you. God's mercy is following you. It's chasing you. When you are in green pastures and you are in the valley of the shadow of death, God is chasing you. Rest is very important on this earth, but like it says in this verse, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you were a follower of Christ, then there is perfect rest when we will be with God face to face. And that's ultimately what we look forward to. We look forward to heaven. This world will never be perfect. There will not be any more pain or weakness or stress in heaven. And so I just want to close again with a reminder. If you haven't made the decision to follow Jesus, know that it is an open invitation. All you have to do is admit that you are a sheep who needs a shepherd. And if you're here tonight and you need rest, God is the place to find it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just trust you, God, with this. We uh, know, God, that only you can meet our needs. God, only you can guide us. God, only you are the shepherd. You designed us. You created us, God, so you know that we need rest. God, I pray that as we continue to sing and worship, God, would you help us just to know that you're a good God. God, would we be reminded of these truths? God, would we be reminded of the fact that you love us? God, and if there's anyone here in the room tonight who doesn't know you, God, I pray that they would come to know you. God, this has to be you working. God, help them not to see that it's not some self-help religion. It's not them trying to earn their way to you, God, but it is you reaching out to them and going after the sheep that's lost. God, I pray that we would be men and women who rest, God, and that when the world around us looks at us, they would cause, they would cause their hearts to glorify you because of the way that we live our lives and the balance and in the trust of having you as our shepherd. God, we pray all these things in your name. Amen.